and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Thursday, February the 11th. Uh, we're recording in the afternoon today. It's a little bit different for us. Uh, a little bit later in the week, a little bit earlier in the day. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. We'll be going uh, going to uh, continue our discussion about uh, some of the players on the team, talking uh, QBs and uh, running backs today. Joining me and helping me to uh, discuss these positions is my guest, Alex Schuster. How are things going for you, Alex? How are they going well? Uh, how are they going for you? It's going great. You know, I'm off on a Thursday afternoon. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Nothing wrong with that. So you're uh, you're joining me from Florida, which seems to be a running theme on the show. Um, you know, we're freezing our butts off up here in Ohio. And I keep talking to people down in Florida, which is great. But <laughs> is it nice down there? Uh, well, we're, so you, you actually hit me in. A, we have, you know, it's raining for the next week and a half, two weeks. Um, with, I mean, the you know, highs of 60s, lows of 45, I guess. You know, they're not terrible. They're probably not as cold as you guys, but definitely not the best for the rain because it's very annoying <laughs> and gloomy but and then it gets really foggy but other than that you know so what where are you in florida what area Pensacola. oh okay okay yeah yeah i work with some people in pensacola so yeah i have an idea of where that is at least so that's that's cool <laughs> you're not you're not uh, down by the all the beaches that everybody thinks of when we talk florida i mean as far as the uh, southern part of florida so yeah no not not miami but definitely Pens- you know the pensacola beach is another big one that that really that's a big tourist attraction uh, definitely in the summer but yeah uh, yeah but uh um, cool it's it's definitely nicer than it is here i know because we're uh, <laughs> we're looking uh, you know closer to zero up here over the next few days and mm. you know kind of just trying to stay inside yeah i bet my dad's miserable <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk uh, first of all because of the time of day it is we're going to skip the blitz beverages uh, we both uh, are going to continue on with our day after recording so uh, so no beer right now um, we're going to talk uh, we're going to talk about the possession and talk uh, QB and running backs before we do that I thought we'd touch on just a couple things in, in the news for the Browns um, there's really not a whole lot going on, but uh, just a few things that I saw. I thought we'd kind of just talk and get some reaction. Uh, ben Bloom was uh, no relation, by the way. He spells it differently, but uh, it's B-L-O-O-M and I'm B-L-U-H-M. Yeah, uh, was, yeah well, he was uh, promoted to run, run game coordinator. He was senior defense defensive assistant last season and apparently he was pivotal in the Browns uh, run defense uh, doing doing pretty well doing a pretty nice job overall last season you know people pounded on the running game last or on the uh, on the defense overall last year they didn't do so bad especially with <laughs> with the pieces they had and, and the pieces they were missing so be a good spot here just to kind of talk a little bit about the the, the D last season if you wanted if you wanted to Alex um, you know 
I think, you know, there was, there was talk about uh, coming out of the season. Some people were, you know, not, not real happy with, with some of the performance of the defense one, you know, wanted a head on a platter and that, are you, are you surprised that we're seeing somebody get promoted for their performance? Uh, you know, I'm not gonna, here's, here's the thing. Um, the, the real main problem for our defense is not the front seven. It is definitely our secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at his track record, you know, you see guys like Leighton Van Der Esch, Jalen Smith, they performed very well when he was coaching them. I think, I mean, Leighton Van Der Esch was looking like one of the best rookie linebackers that we've ever seen for the longest yeah. time until injuries definitely derailed him this past season. Jalen Smith was looking like a really good pass coverage linebacker. Um, and so you know, we, we weren't given a lot to work with, um, with BJ Goodson and then taking a guy late in the draft and especially with injuries, kind of pulling our linebackers off. And then, you know, a 31 year old Malcolm Smith, you can't put a lot of blame on the defense knowing that with what we had to work with, it was not, it was not ideal. But again, the, the biggest issue this year was definitely injuries to the secondary mm-hmm. and, uh, Especially and then losing miles a little bit back and then obviously burning at the end. You know, it just take you know, when you take key pieces away at different points, especially pivotal points, you're just not gonna get that type of production anymore. And that's obviously what we saw. Um, I do think that we need to heavily address the secondary and at least another linebacker. We need an an average or above average linebacker just to fill in. But yes, uh I'm not. I think the run defense, our front seven is fine. Um, uh, there's going to be obviously some pieces that we're going to have to replace because I don't think we'll, with Olivier Vernon coming off an Achilles injury, I don't, you know, I don't see, you know, where the team's really going to go with that. Ogun Joby is a big piece that we probably want to bring back, but is the price too high? You know, so there's going to be a lot of moving parts, I believe, this offseason. Yeah. And I think it's going to be really heavily into the defense, but I don't think that this promotion was a bad idea. I think he brings a lot of specialty from the defense to kind of help coordinate the best attack for offense and everything else. Yeah. You know, we knew that linebacker was not going to be a strength, probably the the weakness, you know, on the team this season. And that the Browns, I think you you did a great job at describing what they did and putting that, that, that core together this season. You know, if it, you watch games, those guys, those guys had some nice performances in the defense overall. You know, it, it's not like it's not like uh, any of them were, you know, great players throughout the whole season. But you know, we saw some nice performances in this defense. So to me, that just that just tells me that if you get the right linebacking pieces and players, you know, in this defense. They can do just, you know, just what you're saying, um, what what we've seen, you know, what we've seen them do uh, on other teams. So I kind of wonder, you know, we've heard over and over how this uh, um, how this front office, you know, how how uh, um, they, they're not going to value linebackers um, because of because of the way they look at things. I really wonder if. Uh, if they will see the need and the way it would fit and actually go and draft a linebacker high. 
you know, it's going to be really interesting. You know, either draft a linebacker high or or sign a higher priced, um, and not not you know not one of the top free agent linebackers, but you know just a, a good linebacker, you know somebody that can that could really make a difference for the Browns. And, you know, because everything we've heard is that ah, there there's no way they're going to do that. They just, they just don't value that position. Yeah. The big, I think the way that you see the game going now, I, I mean, you look at, you know, you have Bobby Wagner, uh, who's obviously the best inside linebacker in football. Uh, you had Luke Keekley, uh, who was probably 1A, 1B with him the year, uh, a couple years ago before he retired. You have Devin White mm-hmm. coming on. Um, you, you know, you look at all these teams and their defense, and it, it, it's starting to build around one piece, and that is a fast guy who can cover sideline to sideline. I mean, you remember the Jags. The Jags were an 11-5 and five, uh, team that went to the AC Championship, and what did they have on that defense? They had speed. You had Telvin Smith, yeah. outside speed. You had Miles Jack, outside speed. Um, and so the, the key, I, I think that they're, you know, they, these are smart guys. These are guys who they're looking at the game, they're studying statistics, they're looking at everything, and I believe they're going to see the fact that uh, a linebacker, a speedy linebacker, is what you need because, again, it this fast linebackers can cover sideline side to sideline. They can take out a running back, you know, from the passing game, which is a big part of a lot of people's offense now. And so when you shut down that part, and then you can kind of wheel and deal them over the middle. Uh, I mean, you look at um, the 49ers, uh, they have two coverage linebackers out there for their, for their cover three scheme that they run. And they're, I mean, we saw the year before, obviously due to injuries to the front, front seven, but they were just slaughtering offenses because they were able to control the middle of the field. And so, mm-hmm. uh, especially in, and with Joe Woods as a, as a defensive coordinator, I think he's going to be, he's going to be heavily, uh, heavily involved in telling, hey, like, I need my next, you know, Fred Warner or something like that. You know, like, I need my guy in the middle. I need my rock, my position. And I do think that we are going to go linebacker in the first round. Do we trade up? I don't know. I I think we should because I'm looking at a guy, and his name is Jeremiah Awusu-Kormoa. And I look at this kid, and I I think he's going to be the best coverage linebacker. I think he's going to be the best linebacker in the class. Um, And I would really like him, but the mock drafts that we've seen – have him going to the Raiders or the Dolphins. And so we really just have yeah. to get in front of them, in my opinion. And I think he's the perfect one. I haven't seen a lot on Zayvon Collins. I know that he's really versatile. He can actually play coverage and he can go on the line, kind of like Michael Parsons does. But I don't know enough about him. But again, I still think that the the way that how fast Owusu Kormoa is going to be, I believe he would be the best fit for our defense. But again, I'm not the man in charge, so we will see how that plays out. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough because you look at the last couple of drafts, there just have not been that many great linebackers, you know, like you're talking about come out. So they're really at a premium. So so it's hard to get in a position. You see teams, you know, really. Uh, I think teams recognize that value and teams are willing to trade up and, you know, put a lot, you know, put a lot into, to, uh, taking a guy, um, you know, even taking a guy early. So if these guys are in the class of somebody like Devin White, you wonder if they're even going to last as long as what you're seeing now. So we'll see what happens there. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I mean, there, there's been, uh, there's been, Brown's made a ton of transactions. I'm not going to try to keep up with all those right now. Um, there's going to be a bundle. A lot of guys getting signed to, to, uh, you know, futures contracts and all that. Um, lots of mock drafts going on. We're going to talk, uh, you know, we'll talk, we'll talk draft, but we're going to go through the roster first. Um, I mean, we're going to talk draft on future, future shows here. Um, just a little bit too early for us to do that. What I saw, um, very interesting, and especially the timing of it was uh, Nick Chubb kind of saying that he could beat uh, um, Saquon Barkley in a, a, a squat off, a squatting contest, which uh, Saquon, Saquon had, had uh, I'm trying to remember, he had a pretty serious leg injury, didn't he? Wasn't it his leg? I'm trying to remember. Gee. Yeah, he tore his, uh, his ACL, I believe it was. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I should know. I had him in fantasy. And I, got, <laughs> yeah. like, I, got th- I think I got one point out of him last season. So <laughs> yeah. He, took him, took him second <laughs> overall in the draft behind uh, Christian McCaffrey, and, yeah, got one point. So um, I'm not, I'm not uh, comparing my woes to Saquon's whatsoever, but uh, um, just the timing of that. But – I don't know if those if both those guys are healthy. I don't know who would you take in that contest. You know, it's it's really hard because you know ever since college, you know, Barkley's had all these videos pop up of him squatting and doing this and doing that. He's always been like the the gym warrior that they they kind of look at because he I mean he's like a bodybuilder but he plays football. Um, I think Chubb can come close, but I think I'd give the edge to Saquon just a little bit just because of the track record. Um, I don't really see a lot. I mean, I, Nick Chubb, has, he has battled through a lot. I mean, he's hurt both of his legs. He, he hurt both his legs in college, and he still has found a way to be as great as he has been. And so I know that he's definitely put in work, but I think I'd still give the slight edge just a little bit, like maybe like five pounds at best. Uh, yeah. I'd probably go Barkley. Yeah. I, the thing that I get out of this is that I really would not want this contest to happen just because of the injuries that these guys have had. Yeah. Like, let's just keep these guys healthy and on a football field because I'd rather see them play. Absolutely. Than see somebody hurt themselves trying to squat 800 pounds. Yeah. It's a pointless um, contest. <laughs> it, it's pretty cool, though, because uh, Nick Chubb is – is this quiet, you know, I mean, quiet kind of reserved guy. He doesn't do much talking. He really doesn't talk at all on the football field, you know, or about football. And he's just very much a team guy. But um, it seems like he's a little bit more outspoken about his weightlifting. So that, that kind of almost took me by surprise that, that Nick would come out and say something like that. But apparently he's a little bit cockier about his weightlifting than <laughs> he is about, about uh, football and being on a team. He must look at things a little bit differently. So, yeah, um, go ahead. You know, I mean, yeah, he's, you know, again, you know, like you said, you know, I, I watched him. Uh, I watched as his left leg uh, came inward, like it came upward. Like I watched him like <laughs> what he did that at college. And so. I have no doubt. I mean, to, to come back from two horrific knee injuries, um, he's definitely got to be super strong. And I know that they probably built him up to be, you know, that type of workhorse. And so I, I definitely understand, you know, uh, the, the kind of competitive nature, you know, especially because everybody always talks about, you know, kind of how strong Saquon is. But, 
you know, or the same thing with, you know, Derrick Henry. Everyone's looking at Derrick Henry like this big hoss. So it's like, you know, we have Nick Chubb. And, and in my opinion, you know, Nick Chubb is the best pure runner in football. And so, you know, yeah. I get it. You know, he's probably trying to promote himself out there a little bit. Like, hey, don't forget about me, man. Like, I'm a hoss, too. Like, right. You know, I mean, this this really, it, it's, you just kind of think about it and, the league is such a passing league right now, and there's typically been, you know, just, you know, some great runners, great runners come and go, but, man, there's some really, some really, uh, you know, I don't toss the word great around or, you know, or superstar or anything like that, but, man, there's some, there's some really talented running backs in the league right now. You know, it's kind of interesting in, in, the, in that it's such a passing league. But guys like Henry and and Nick Chubb, and of course Saquon really hasn't really hasn't broken out yet because of injuries and because of the team he's playing for. But yeah, you, know, you got to. I mean, it's coming. It's gonna it's gonna happen eventually. Um, I would think when he gets over this injury, uh, you know, and is that full strength. The Giants have been coming on. You know, I think it, hopefully we'll we'll see him. You know, for what he's what he's going to be. But man, it's 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 interesting that uh, that there are so many running backs like that right now, and when the game has turned to such a, you know, the league has turned turned into such a passing league. Yeah, and I think that's where you're starting to see a lot of these. You know, everyone has to be kind of versatile. You know, it's like you know, you always want to you have, you know, every team, you know, is kind of different. But the main thing is that you want a pass catcher, right? And then you you know, then you have your bully back. And so some of these teams are kind of, you know, like Barkley, he's, you know, one of the, you know, he's, he can do both. Cream Hunt, he can do both, you know. So, you know, it's kind of helping the spread, but it's still interesting to see the fact that the bully back can still stay on the field and it's okay. You know, like, I mean, Patriots, Patriots run full running backs, you know. So, uh, yeah, we saw San Fran, they ran three running backs. Uh, the Chiefs, they have they kept two running backs just in case, you know. Um, and so it's really interesting to see just kind of like how they do it, you know, because it's the classic term of the third down running back. But a lot of these teams are now kind of figuring out that you don't have to have like you can have a guy that does both or you can still run the two, but you don't have to always interchange them at certain points. You know, I think what we did was uh it was really smart. Um, we would use Chubb for like the first like three quarters, and then Kareem Hunt would kind of be he would come in and play or two, you know, over a couple drives, you know, kind of get him for the feel of the game. But then the fourth quarter would come, and then we'd feed him, feed him, feed him, feed him. And then at the end of the game, when we needed to end it, it was like, okay, Chubb, you're well rested, like let's go. And so it was really interesting to see that that we would, you know, even in a passing league that you can still dominate. You know, we saw with, you know, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry ran the ball 400 times, and he was the Crazy. most pivotal, you know, point of his offense. He's the focal point. And so, you know, it, it just shows you how how valuable the running backs still are because you have to – you can still set a game plan around them. You know, the play-action pass is still becoming, you know, you know, you see Rodgers, he's the king of the play-action pass, and that's because he has a really strong run game. And so it's definitely yeah. – Still nice to see that you know we have you know a value to the running back position. Definitely. Well, it it was made official. Kevin Stefanski won the Coach of the Year award. I think we all knew that he was going to win this award, um, at least in Cleveland. 
you know, not that there weren't other candidates who had a good shot at it, but it would have been very disappointing, uh, surprising if, if he would not have won this award for what he did with the Browns, um, you know, just turning, uh, turning this organization around and, you know, finally making football, you know, fun again in Cleveland for us. Uh, you know, first uh, first Browns coach to win this award since Forrest Gregg in 1976. Kind of, that's kind of surprising to me. You know, we've we've had some uh, had some decent coaches. You know, I'm not going to say we've had a lot of greats, but you know, since 1976, that's you know that that's skipping uh, that's skipping um, Sam Ritigliano, it's skipping uh, uh, Belichick, it's skipping you know. Um, Marty Schottenheimer, who sadly we just lost this week, um, kind of kind of surprising that that there's not one coach of the year award amongst any of those guys. Yeah, especially too, uh, you know, because it's not like we've always been bad. You know, we've had you know three winning seasons since we came back, and so uh, you would have yeah. thought at least one time there and then you'd be like, oh well, you know, here come the Browns. But for sure, I, you know, again. Yeah, I, I get that there was a case for other coaches, but, you know, seeing the drought that we've had uh, for one being a winner and being a good team to see the fact that he took over his team that was six, nine and one, you know, was the three years before or oh and 16 and one and 15. And, you know, so, you know, to see that he, you know, he completely changed the culture. It's very interesting because I'll be honest, I was not a fan that we had signed him because. I was looking at we just we just hired Freddie Kitchens right, and we had we hired him off of one season. Well, now mm-hmm. we're hiring a guy off of two seasons where he's he took over for the Vikings offense coordinator. He and two seasons prior, and they were really they were a really good decent offense because they were running through Dalvin Cook. But you know we just got rid of a guy because of he the lack of you know you know just in general you know him being here so. Then we go out and we hire another guy who has a little bit more of experience, but not as much. And so I was definitely on the fence for it. Um, mm-hmm. But he, you know, he is a, he's an Ivy League guy. He's very smart. And he came in with a game plan and he said, you know what? We're going to run the football. We're going to run through these running backs. We have two top 10 running backs. We're going to play through them. And the biggest key of them all was like, finally, somebody came in and he's going to use the guys properly. And he's going to put Baker Mayfield in a situation where Baker Mayfield can now finally succeed because Baker Mayfield in play action pass is he that is when he's at his best. That is when in a two you know, double tight end set when he can just rock out from the play action. That is Baker Mayfield to a T. That is him. That is the best Baker Mayfield you're going to get. And so when he finally came in and he kind of gave him a game plan, he allowed him to execute it we saw that we could put up points and we could win football games. And so it was very nice to see. I do give him credit. He came in with his game plan, stuck to it, and it has been marvelous. It has been better than I think anybody ever could have imagined. And so I'm glad to see where we go from here. Yeah. Speaking of Baker, let's move right into our our, uh, position evaluations Baker's the first guy we're going to talk about with the quarterbacks. You know, with the offensive line, we just kind of said whether we think, uh, you know, a guy's going to stay, go, or, you know, whether he's on the fence. You know, a lot of these guys, it's pretty obvious that they're going to be here this coming season. So 
So we'll just, you know, have a little discussion maybe about their future and kind of some thoughts that we might have. But just kind of wanted to get all the numbers out there on Baker. Uh, Baker's Baker's 25, 61, 215 or so. Uh, he's he's uh, signed in uh, 21. The option year is 22. He would be an unrestricted free agent in 23. His PFF this season was 81.6. He played 1,046 snaps this season. That's 98.6% of the snaps. Uh, let's see, he threw for 3,563 yards with 26 touchdowns and eight picks. That's that's all regular season numbers. So I think uh, overall PFF marks, I think he was um, uh, quarterback number 13 in the league. But if you looked at passing, he was a... Just, just his passing numbers or his passing PFF grade, I think he was a top top ten guy, which is pretty amazing. With you know, with the with the start, he wasn't nearly as good at the beginning of the season as he was over the last what six or eight games. So uh, pretty amazing. So um, Baker's obviously going to be here this season. I think and be you know signed for the option year. Uh, what are your thoughts on Baker? Um, how do the Browns? Handle the handle his contract, and, and you know what do you think the future is at the quarterback position uh, for Baker? Well, it is very interesting. Okay, because I've been very heavily, I've been heavily critical on Baker Mayfield, and it's not because I don't like him. It's not because I hate him. It's because as a fan of this sport, I can't sit there and blindly sit there and be like, oh well, because he's a Brown, I can't sit there and be like, well, he's played good even though he has not, you know, and so I, I've always been heavily critical on the fact that his decision making has always been all over the place. It's never been a set in stone, like, like, let's go, let's go rock. And we saw that evidently early on in the season, especially against the Steelers, where he kind of, he would make up his mind, bam, and it just was not a good play. And so, you know, reading a couple from former players, former coaches and everything, what they said was it takes about, Eight, eight weeks for an offense to come who gets a new system. Eight weeks to get adjusted. And then after the bye week, they said that that's when they can usually elevate and play really well into what they can form for the future. And so I think that's what we saw. We saw Baker Mayfield, who he torched the Bengals. But early on the season, even the Colts game, you can sit there and say, well, he had a decent Colts game, but he threw two interceptions that were really poor and it almost put the Colts back into the game. I think if the if it was the second half season Colts, they probably end up winning that game. Uh, fortunately for us, our defense was able to make the stops when we needed them, and we won the game. But throughout the first, he was really up and down. Again, you know, the two Bengals games were the big outliers because he, you know, he, he came back and won. He was slinging five touchdowns. Everything was great. Well, you know, but then we started going against our you know our big rivals, and it kind of they kind of put us down. But Again, as the season progressed, he finally kind of felt comfortable. It was kind of, I don't think Stefanski took the leash off of him, but what I think Stefanski did was kind of put him in in positions where it was calculated risk. And so mm-hmm. shots and plays that he would formulate, he knew, okay, these should work if the game plan goes well. And I think that's what we end up seeing. Like, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of look at the same thing that they did with Justin Herbert this year. Justin Herbert was not, he, he was put on a leash and he was, they were like, you ha- you cannot, we're not going to let you just sit there and go bomb the field. But when there's times that we feel that we can bomb the field, we're going to let you bomb it. And in a lot of those times, 
it kind of allowed Baker to be like, okay, this is a good situation. Kind of learn from it. Be like, okay, well, second and three or whatever, we don't, or you know, second and five, you know, the the, the playbook's open, like you know, and kind of help them grasp the fact that the offense doesn't have to. Like, you don't have to have a one set play. Like, you can, you know, look and see, okay, there's definitely open options. Like, let's go through there. And it definitely, if you watch Herbert this past season, a lot of the times it was calculated deep balls that ended up working because the game plan was simple. It was like, we're going to we're gonna slowly progress you, and then we're going to let you get a feel for it. We're going to let you get that taste, you know. Because once you start tasting it, you know, and it starts feeling good, then we can work on now allowing you to do it more so uh you know whenever we feel you know whenever you want basically you know you know yeah. we we see aaron Rodgers all the time you know you know the king of the free play king of play action you know we watch him he's always running out play action and he's bombing people and yeah. so allowing baker to kind of get that taste just get that feel for it i think he's now put him in a position where now i think this offseason they're going to take that leash off and they're going to say okay now it is up to you to realize you know when we're on these downs, when we're we're running these plays, like you have to be able to look, be able to tell what the defense is. Say this is okay. I got this. This defense isn't going to change. Or make sure that you see, you know, if they creep up or anything, you have to note that. And I think they're going to really allow him to command the offense. And I think he can really take a big step forward. I think next year, if if he continues to stride, I think you're going to see, as you said, he was a. I believe he was a top 13 quarterback. I think 11 to 13 range is were very interchangeable. I think that all those quarterbacks you could put in any order, make a case for it, whatever. And so I think that yeah. you could see him easily become a top 10 quarterback, um, especially behind the run game because he doesn't have to make, you know, the, he Stefanski eliminates the the risk and the mistakes that, you know, he would make because he has such a good run game to, to rely on. So he doesn't have to sit there and only, you know, try to go down the field. I think Freddie Kitchens was, you know, he was just like, you just go throw the football. And I think that's what really kind of <laughs> killed his confidence because he's sitting there trying to throw the ball and they're just playing pass, playing pass, playing pass. And so, you know, it definitely shot him. And so I think building his confidence has now got him in a position where he definitely feels that he's going to be, I, again, I think he could be a top 10 quarterback easy. Um, and the sky's the limit, really. So it'll be definitely interesting to see. I think, obviously, the option will be picked up, I believe, uh, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see, you know, um, picking the option up versus extension and when they when they decide to do that. You know, whether they, you know, whether he just plays out this season and they try to extend him in the option year or, or how well that works out. I would think uh, I would think that's probably how they'll do it, but you know, we'll see what happens. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Case Keenum. Case Keenum, uh, 32 years old, also listed at six one two fifteen, and he's due six million this season, uh, six point five and twenty two unrestricted free agent in twenty three, and believe my notes if I'm reading this properly. I think the Browns can uh, can cut him prior to six one for a five, um, and have uh, five point one million of dead cap. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Um, Case Keenum only played fi- he played fifteen snaps last season, so I'm not going to go over his numbers or anything like that. He played one point four percent of the snaps, forty four point seven PFF grade in those fifteen snaps, which doesn't really mean anything. Uh, do you think there's any chance the Browns part ways with 
with Case Keenum before this season? Uh, not prior. I, I was. I did actually look at his contract, and after six one, I believe we only uh, incur on one and a half million of cap. Is it last uh, after cap? six one? Okay. I, I believe so, and so I, I think he because he, he demands a cap hit of like seven point three million. Um, yeah, I don't I don't see him staying. Um, I they they're gonna want to move on to get that money because we're only at twenty one million in cap, and he's gonna free up. I think you could see, uh, it's gonna like I said, there's gonna be a lot of moving parts as I said earlier. I think Keenum is gone just because the cap hit is just gonna be too much for a backup quarterback. Um. And I think, you know, getting that year of just teaching Baker, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll they, they feel probably pretty comfortable that they don't really need another guy who's played in the system anymore. I definitely definitely think that moving on from Keenum will probably be best bet for just for the cap. I understand that for the cap, but you have the issue of of Baker being your quarterback. And you have a team that you're hoping, obviously, is going to get back in the playoffs and hopefully make some noise, you know, again in uh, in 21. So don't you want somebody back there that you're comfortable handing the ball to if something happens to Baker? You know, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's during the season for, you know, two, three important games if, if something happens to Baker or, you know, or if Baker goes down um, with something, you know, um, and a quarter in a uh, in a playoff game, something like that. Yeah, I mean, definitely you would, but I I just think that there's with the money situation that we're in, unless they went away, went to like a um, like a restructure, you know, just give them money up front or whatever, so they could get the cap. Um, I really like it's it's really tough to you know because he's again seven and a half million and the way yeah. that we really need to hit the defense um we have a lot of positions that we really need to tackle because mm-hmm. again there's a lot of moving pieces that could be moving and so i, I think they're it's going to be a race against the clock right now and then the salary cap is going down I and mean, we you know we're, right. we're going to probably lose the salary cap so 7.3 for a backup quarterback is just it's just tough to to really want to justify Again, if they wanted to bring it back for a lesser deal, I would be all on board for it. But I think you could probably find another guy that you could replace him with for cheaper. But, again, not the man in charge. We will see. Well, that would be the interesting thing is can they find somebody that they're comfortable with that they can have ready, you know, to to step in if, if something happens. Because that's the whole idea. You don't, you know, you don't expect anything to happen, but you need somebody who's going to be able to get you through a number of games, or, or you know, or go out there and, and do what they have to do to hopefully, you know, obviously, your backup quarterback's not supposed to come in and, and win every game for you. They're supposed to, you know, hopefully manage things and you know get you through the rough spots until your guy's back. So, um, so it doesn't have to be a necessarily a premium guy, but. If you're talking a team that, that you're hoping is going to, you know, do well in the playoffs, then, you know, um, you definitely want somebody that, that you trust out there. Absolutely. So that, that'll that be interesting to, to see. I, I And I definitely see your point about freeing up that, that cast because, um, you know, I'm glad the smart guys are going to think about that because, you know, what's more important? You know, if you can – 
if you can uh, sign, you know, if you can sign a, a, a linebacker, if you can sign that speeding linebacker for seven million, you know, or, or, or something like that, then, um, you know, or put that money toward linebacker, then, you know, maybe it's a lot more important. So, um, Browns did sign Kyle Laletta to a, a reserve future contract. He's he's 25, 6'2", 219. Uh, just signed for uh, for this season. I guess the reserve futures contracts are 850. Um, he would be a restricted free agent in 22. I don't think he's played a snap in the NFL yet, uh, as far as I can tell. Um, he's a guy I think a lot of people like coming out uh, out of college. So, do you do you have thoughts on? Uh, on Kyle Laletta at all? Uh, he he actually has played. I just looked it up. He's played two okay. games, and he has not completed a pass. He is ah. 0 for 5 with an interception. Okay. Um, you know, he like he was definitely when they when they take. I think it was the Giants who took that to took him in late in the in the, yeah. in the draft. I believe. Yeah, he. Uh, he didn't because they were comparing him basically to Jimmy Garoppolo. That was like the big comp, you know, that he was like he was going to be definitely a, a developmental yeah. guy, but yeah. he could probably be serviceable. And unfortunately, that has not come to fruition. But you know, he hasn't been dealt the best, you know, cards at hand. But again, yeah, I, I, he's probably just another guy to put on the practice squad or something to help out, just like kind of go through the progression. Because I think. He's like similar to he he runs a similar offense that we do, and so it's just plugging another quarterback to kind of help out. Yeah, so if uh, if Case Keenum doesn't make the cut, how do you think it's most likely the Browns find his replacement? Do you think it's do you think they draft another QB? Do you think they you know uh, do you think they trade for somebody? Do you think they they sign another free agent, either, you know, uh, somebody off the street or, or maybe somebody after cuts are made. How do you think that would happen? Definitely, uh, definitely would have to be, um, like, I could easily see them, like, in, like, the seventh round taking another guy, just be like, you know, he could be a backup. But, you know, with with many quarterbacks, like, there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks out of the job. Um, and a lot of, I mean, you look at guys that, you know, like Jacoby Brissett or something, you know, Jacoby Brissett's probably yeah. not going to get a job. So, you know, if you felt comfortable with a, a guy like that or something that, you know, like he's cheaper um, and, you know, and he's shown that he can play uh, in the past, you know, he, he has won games and um, he wasn't a terrible quarterback. And so I think, I think anytime, you know, anything like that for sure could happen. Again, like you stated, someone could get cut because they're just like, you know what, we just, we don't really want them or, you know, we, we cap situation. We just don't really care. So, you know, possibilities are endless, but I, I think those would be like the main, you know, looking at free agency, waiting at their preseason cut or drafting, a drafting a quarterback would probably be the top three easiest ways for that to happen. I mean, the Browns signed case Keenum pretty early in free agency. As I recall, uh, you look at the way some uh, look at, and I'm not going to keep talking about the Pats, but look at uh, you know look how the Pats uh, got uh, Cam Newton and the uh, the deal they got him for. You know it's because they waited and waited and waited, and finally he didn't have anywhere to go, so they got him practically for free last season. Um, you know, so uh, 
we'll see what happens. I, th- I think you're right. There there will be guys out there. Uh, the key is if you're gonna if you're gonna let Case Keenum go, you want to get somebody who who is fairly reliable, and you want to definitely make sure that it's that it's worth the savings to bring a new guy in. Because if it's you know if you're not saving substantially, you might as well keep Case Keenum around. That's my thought. Yeah, I, I think if, if you can't bring in a guy who is gonna, you know, out like bring more to the team uh, than Case Keenum is for the money, uh, then I have no problem with keeping him. Again, like I don't have a problem with keeping him, but again, you know, it just depends on how we, you know, we really attack this defense because. Um, you know, we we could really say, you know what, well, we're just a few pieces that we can draft away, and then we can save yeah. the money and, and go out in the next year with the amount of cap that we have and, and go from there. So, you know, it, again, I, I I do agree with you. I think that if they have to bring value. If, they, if they're not going to bring value, yeah. I don't I don't really care. for Because I think he has a potential opt-out anyway uh, for 2022 that can leave us with, uh, mm-hmm. with, like, no cap hit early as well. So, either way, I think we're yeah. – it's, it's definitely either way. Yeah, but I, I can see what you're saying. So if somebody, and, and you brought up Jacoby Brissett, if somebody like Jacoby Brissett is sitting there, you know, without a team late and, and the Browns can bring him in and sign him to a, you know, a minimal contract, like, I don't know, you know, a million or two million, then it, it would just make sense. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Well, we have some running backs to talk about, and let's let's start with the man uh, Nick Chubb. Probably probably my favorite Brown. Um, <laughs> you just have to love the guy. I mean, geez, um, all he's been through and just just goes out there and plays and doesn't complain and doesn't uh, doesn't talk about much except weightlifting, <laughs> <laughs> and and just to me looks like the best running back in, in football. So um, just fun to watch. It was fun to watch him, fun to be a fan of, of Nick Chubb. Uh, Nick is 26, 5 foot 11, 227. He's due a million and a half this season, unrestricted free agent in 22. He played 383 snaps, uh, which was 48.2% uh, in 2020, and a PFF grade of 87.2 last season. And he ran for 1,067 yards and 12 touchdowns. I'm not going to go over his receptions, but uh, this is average. Um, 5.6. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Probably a little bit below his career average, right? <laughs> no, it actually, uh, his, his average was was up by up at like what 6.2 for a good portion of the season i think so um 5.6 is uh pretty good you know anytime you're averaging higher than jim brown's career average i think it's pretty good (laughs) yeah actually when eric dickerson set the rushing record he actually averaged 5.6 yards a carry um he just ran the ball, like, I think 383 times or something like that. Or 393, it was 393, I believe. Okay. Um, because Derrick Henry, he actually, he averaged 5.6 yards a carry this year, I believe. But he, he also, he ran 390 times. And uh, yeah. for... Uh, he gets a I lot think, more carries. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think If you doubled Chubb 
if he doubled Chubb, um, I think he, he obviously would have been really close, but I think he probably would have been better because, again, you he, for the longest time during, you know, before the injury, I mean, he was killing. I think they said uh, he was averaging like 12 yards a carry in the fourth quarter. Uh just to, yeah. just you know, just for the fourth quarter alone, and where he was just gashing his teams, and so, you know, he easily, easily, I, I believe, is definitely the best pure runner in football. I think Derrick Henry is probably, you know, it's probably one A, one B, or one and you know, one and two in some eyes for sure. Um, but yeah, I think just uh, yeah. yeah, compared to the size difference and everything else, you know, to Derrick Henry and the fact that he's, you know, he's always given the ball compared to Chubb, where he has to split carries or he has to split pass catches and. Stuff like that, I think it's it's really not as much as a debate as much people would like it to be. Um, for sure, I think Nick Ch- again, Nick Chubb is probably the best pure runner in football. Probably, you know, he's definitely obviously a top three running back. Um, and so, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, nothing, you know, it's he's Nick Chubb. Like, he, he, if you don't like him, I don't know what you you don't like football. That's really what it boils down to. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah, and and yeah. By saying that, that Nick Chubb's the best and, and everything, it's nothing against Derrick Henry. I mean, Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry's an excellent player. He's he's a different player from Nick Chubb. You know, they they have different running styles, and Derrick Henry is is very good at what he does. You know, I mean, he's he's a little bit more of a you know a little bit more of a, a bulldozer. You know, I mean, he he's not he he plays two contact a little bit more than Nick does. Um, you know, I mean, it, and Derrick Henry still has uh, great. You know, he's he's still got the great speed that Nick has. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if he's quite as fast as Nick is, but um, you know, but he's he's still got speed. Um, he's still got some moves, and and uh, man, they both have great stiff arms. But uh, they, you know, they're just a little bit different. But Derrick Henry is great at at piling up carries. Man, he he can do it, but he's. He's on a team that relies on him to do that, and Nick is in a situation where he don't have to do that. So, um, you know, so just different situations. But yeah, I mean, early on, Nick Nick was averaging, uh, uh, I think maybe before the injury or shortly after, he was averaging a 20 yard run every one every um, either eight or 11 carries or something like that. I can't remember what it is now, but it was right around one a 20 yard car- rush every like 10 touches <laughs> yeah I, I mean again i mean he yes you know they're both big horses though the difference between them is really the fact that derrick henry is he, they like to get him to the outside more because you know when he's on the outside you're not tackling him because he's just yeah. so big that he's just able to just kind of whack you off you know, they both stay in between the tackles, but I think Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb, you don't really see him get to the outside. Now, he goes up the middle, and then he busts it to the outside. They try to get Henry mm-hmm. to the outside. That is the design to kind of get through, and so I think that's the only real difference in the, the scheme that they run compared to us is that they want to get him to the outside instead of just keeping him in the middle because, you know, at the end of the day, you don't want him to take all those hits because that's going to really derail him because you just – I mean, when you carry the ball – 390 plus times and you're just getting whacked like yeah it's crazy it's gotta be even when you're that big yeah yeah um yeah with nick you know that once once he gets to that second level that he's got those moves and man that's it, it's so exciting because he i mean it, it's cliche that that he can break one at any time but you know that he can 
he can either juke a guy or knock him down or break a tackle, you know, at any point in time and turn it into a big carry. So it just makes it really exciting to watch him carry the ball because anytime he gets through the through the line and maybe gets past one linebacker, it's like look out, you know. Um, it, it's true of other guys too, but Nick is just. He's got special abilities there. It's just a lot of fun to watch. So let's talk about his contract. So so he's uh, so he's going to be here in, in 21. He's a free agent in 22. What do you do with Nick Chubb? And you know what? Everybody's got an opinion on this. Um, I won't criticize you if yours is different from mine. Um, <laughs> what do you think the Browns should do, and what do you think they will do with Nick Chubb? You know, I think you have to extend him. I know that giving these running backs these big contracts is shown not to be the best, but, you know, it, I don't think it's not the fact that it's been the best. I think it's just the fact that a lot of these guys get really complacent. They're like, well, I finally got my, my money. You know, I don't really want to play football anymore. You know, I just kind of, I'm here. Um, I, I th- It's going to be tough to kind of put a value on him. Um, because they're going to ask him to take less, you know, because you're going to see you're going to see with our receivers, you're they're going to you're going to see them go ask them like, hey, I know you got 15 million dollars, but, you know, for the sake of the team, can you please take less? So I think they'll put him up there, you know, as a top five running back value wise. But I don't think that they'll give him like the biggest contract. I think they're going to say, hey, you know, if you want more money guaranteed or something, you know, we can work that out. But I don't think you're going to really uh, give him a ginormous contract. Uh I don't, you know, because I think the basis that we have is Christian McCaffrey. And what they're going to do is they're going to look at Nick Chubb and they're going to say, you know, you may be a better runner than Christian McCaffrey, but Christian McCaffrey uh, as a pass catcher and open field uh, as a receiver is just much better than you are um, because we've seen Nick Chubb have some stone hands, uh, you know, every once in a while. And so I think he'll probably get 12 million a year, but. I'm I'm pretty comfortable with paying him that, um, as long as it's nothing over fourteen to fifteen. I think I think we're in pretty good shape. Yeah. What uh, what type of uh, how many how many years do you think they would do an extension for with Nick? Four to five, most likely. Four to five, um, for sure. They no one no one takes a big contract for three. <laughs> it's it's good. The president will be four, yeah. um, at least, yeah. and then. Five at most for sure. Yeah, and I, I said Nick is twenty six. He'll, he'll be twenty six this season. He's actually twenty five right now. But um, yeah, and and I'm with you. I think uh, you know. I, I said when uh, I think Derrick Henry's deal was signed that I I would like to see you know the Browns do a, a similar deal with Nick Chubb, and I think it was right in that same ballpark. You know that that uh, somewhere around twelve million a year for four years. Um, I just can't imagine that you can't be creative enough to find money to keep a great player like this and just say, oh, you can't pay a running back. We got to let him go. You know, it, it just doesn't make sense. You got to be creative, build the best contract for him to help the team, but keep him happy and find that money. Okay. You, you know, you might, you might have to do something like what you're talking about with Case Keenum in order to keep Nick Chubb. Okay, who who would you rather have? You know? Yeah, so, Nick Chubb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, if, if cutting $5 million somewhere allows you to keep Nick Chubb on the team, then, man, it, it's, it's, an, it's a no-brainer. So, 
So hopefully the Browns can figure figure that out, and hopefully Nick Chubb is is in Cleveland for a long time. Yeah, I just looked it up. So it was Derrick Henry was four for fifty with twenty five and a half guaranteed. So yeah, again, you know, literally that's a little over twelve. That's you know, perfect scenario where you yeah. know you, you just say, hey, you know, you, you and Derrick Henry, he may get a little bit more because the salary cap goes up. Um, right. Maybe like 13. But again, I, I'm so comfortable with that again because we get yeah, him so until he's 30. Four for 55, something like that, yeah, you know? For sure. Guarantee 30, 35, you know, and I think it's an easy deal. I, I think we've been fun and everyone's happy for sure. I, I agree. So uh, let's talk about Kareem Hunt. Uh, Kareem Hunt is. Uh, no, he's 25 too. He'll be 26. I wrote these numbers down kind of funny because I looked them up on the, uh, you know, where the uh, salary cap numbers are, and I wrote down the age for the for that year for the contract. So Kareem will be 26 this season. Uh, 5'11", 216. He's due uh, five million and 21, 6.25 and 22, and a free agent in 23. He played 513 snaps. Um. Yeah, I don't think I wrote that down right. My percentages are not adding up right here. So anyway, thirty. I got a lower percentage. Anyway, he played 513 snaps. That's probably closer to to uh, um, maybe 50% of the Brown snaps. But his PFF grade was 74, um, which is still pretty darn good. Uh, Kareem ran for 841 yards. Six touchdowns, and he had uh, 304 receiving yards and another five touchdowns there. So we know what Kareem is, man. Um, you know what? I mean, he really he really helped a lot when uh, when Nick was out. It's a little bit different when Nick's playing. Um, the deal he signed this season to keep him in Cleveland was a great deal for the Browns and a great deal for Kareem because he wanted to be in Cleveland. Um, so it puts him in Cleveland, you know, for uh, through 22. And, you know, I guess we'll see what happens then. But man, the, the idea of the Browns signing Chubb and keeping him for a few more years and just keeping this tandem together these guys are still so young and and I know that I know the lifespan of a running back in the NFL but these guys work take care of themselves I don't I don't think there's an issue of thinking that these guys are going to play well until they're in their late 20s at least um what what are your thoughts on that Alex Yeah so typically you know really your average running back you know like I think it's around 30 that's kind of what they're like yeah he's old but with the fact yeah. that, yeah, you know, but with the fact that they split, you know, snaps, um, you know, and they get the the rest that they need. Again, you know, like when I alluded to earlier, you know, you see Chubb, he kind of plays for like most of the three quarters, but then Kareem kind of comes in here and there, and then you have Kareem who kind of starts the first half of the fourth, and then it kind of gives Chubb. And then now that he's fully rested, like we can go ahead and end the game with him. And so I think you're going to see the life value of these two definitely be longer uh, because they're not doing as much. They're not, you know, they're not in a Derrick Henry situation, you know, where they're getting pounded every play. And, you know, I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't call you crazy. I, I, they could probably play into the early 30s easy, you know, or yeah. longer. You know, I mean, look at Frank Gore. Frank Gore's going and <laughs> that dude's all the dirt. So, 
Uh, I can see both these guys doing that, you know, playing into the early 30s. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely, I mean, they're just in a perfect situation. I think, if you know, keeping Cremont, too, would be fun. You know, I, I think you'll see, I think you'll see those types of contracts, you know, because I think you'll, you'll see the two years, but he'll probably average, you know, five or six, you know, per, with the next contract. But I think it'll be, I think you'll sit, you'll see these guys here for a long time. I don't think that they'll get rid of them unless they just drastically drop off in production, but I don't see that happening again anytime soon. So, yeah, I think it's a no-brainer to keep keep him and keep him as long as, as we can. Yeah, so let's move on to uh, Dearness Johnson, 20, uh, I'm going to guess uh, 25. Yeah, 20, no, he's 24, all right? <laughs> I'm off by a year on everyone. All right, so he's a 5'10", 208. Uh, scheduled to make 850 in uh, in 21 and be a restricted free agent in 22. Uh, he played 81 snaps. Of course, he plays a lot on special teams, and that's not counted here. So um, it, he looked pretty good that stretch where he where he came in and played though. Um, he had a PFF grade of 65.1, not bad for for the sample size. You know, he had, he ran, uh, let's see, 33 attempts, 166 yards, averaged, averaged five, five yards a carry. And he got a lot of those, uh, most of those carries on at that one stretch. Um, I think when, uh, I think it was when uh, Nick was out and something happened with Kareem or something. I can't remember which game it was. Maybe you do, but um, Dearness Johnson looked, looked pretty good in that game. But I mean, his, his strength is as as a return man and as you know the third back when they need him like this. So uh, chances that uh, that they part ways with Dearness Johnson, I, I'm sure you know being that third running back, he's going to face competition. Uh, we'll talk about the other guy that they brought in. Um, but what do you think chances are that Dearness Johnson is around this season on the Browns roster? Probably 100%, just because he's, a, you know, he's not a terrible return man. You know, he, he has those ones every once in a while where he kind of breaks, gets us a good good uh, good field position, as you pointed to. Uh, it was the Dallas game. He had 13, 13 attempts for 95 yards coming yeah. in as a backup, played really well. He came in against Indy, uh, 8 for 32. He also had a reception. Um, and then against the Giants, he had another decent game, 4 for 24. Um, and then he's also played a little bit receiving, you know, here and there. But, you know, he, he's just good depth. Um, he's a great returner. And that's like I, the biggest thing is that he plays special teams. Like we just saw the Ravens, right? They cut Mark Ingram because he didn't play special teams. That was like the big thing. It's like we can only carry three running backs for yeah. what we have to do with the roster. And you cannot play special teams. So they ended up just cutting him in the playoffs and said, you know what? You know, here it is, which was a big deal because I think a lot of their offensive struggles um, during the times came because they didn't have a guy like Mark Ingram on the team. You know, they didn't have that, right. that guy who wasn't going to fumble the ball. He was going to get you your yards. And so it was very shocking. But, again, I think you see the, the value of the special teams. And so 100% he'll be here. Um, no questions asked for sure. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Andy Janovich, 6'1", 238. Do 1.4 million in 22, 1. Point, or in 21, 1. 1.6 in 22, unrestricted free agent in 23. Um, Browns have an out in 21 with no dead cap. Um, 
you know, I don't know. We can talk about whether you think that will happen or not. I, I don't think so. Uh, 168 snaps in 20, which was 15.8% of the snaps. I got to say, it didn't feel like Jan- Andy Janovich played 168 snaps last season. <laughs> but he had a 65.5 PFF grade. Did it feel like he played that many snaps? It, it seemed like he wasn't in the game that much for me. Usually, yeah, he, he was definitely he was definitely like an eye form and an extra blocker, which is why they brought him, which is why I'm, I'm glad to have him. I don't think we'll get rid of him. I think he'll be here because he's a great blocker. You know, he does his job. Yeah. Uh, he's a great utility guy. Uh, I think with just the fact that we have three tight ends is kind of the reason why he wasn't able to play as much because we, you know, we were able to, to kind of, you know, keep these tight ends in order just to to kind of run with the different sets, kind mm-hmm. of keep the, the defense on ease because they're just better better pass catchers than Andy But I think if, you know, especially with, you know, the you know the uncertainty with Njoku, I think if if he's gone, I think you could easily see a rise in snaps next year for sure. Yeah, I think I mean, you're right. I mean, you could even line on a tight end at some point, too, if you wanted to for fun, you know, just have that guy blocking on the line, but. Yeah, he, he'll, oh, I, I think he'll play more for sure. Yeah, yeah, which uh, which brings us to Johnny Johnny Stanton. He was was he active for? Uh, he was active briefly when when uh, Andy Janovich was not. Um, so he, he played twelve snaps. Um, six two two forty. Um, he is uh, what twenty twenty six I think. Um, eight, he's due eight fifty and twenty one RFA and twenty two. Yeah, he put in. He played the 12 snaps. Um, he's on the practice squad most of the time, so he, he's just he's the second fullback. So he's, you know, they they elevate him. So you think the Browns would try to continue to stash him on the practice squad? Then uh, it's up to see. It, it it just comes down to if they value him. You know, if he has some sort of value, or if they feel like you know we just need to make sure that we have him just in case he's going off, then probably, but. Yeah, that's the problem. That's a toss-up. That's just one there. It's like you know what we could bring in, or we could not. You know, that's probably like a definitely after probably a preseason type of cut deal if he's cut. You know, they'll give mm-hmm. him his playing time, whatever. But yeah, it'll be a late, late cut if if that happens for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, question is how how often or you know or you know how how dire is the need for for a second fullback? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so last guy, uh, I think the last guy, I'll be honest, the, uh, the roster's a little tough to keep up with. I had some guys down here that, that were showing on the roster that I don't think are on the roster anymore. So, uh, the Browns signed John Kelly to a futures contract, um, five ten two Oh five. Uh, they do, they signed him to the $850,000 futures contract. Um, he was he was drafted by the Bengals and they let him go. There he got in trouble or something with the Bengals. Um, again, I didn't look up his stats. I mean, because he's he's probably the guy brought in to try to compete with the Ernest Johnson for that third spot. And if not, he would be a guy that they would probably try to keep on the practice squad. Any thoughts on John Kelly? I know some people liked him out of out of college, but obviously he wasn't. I don't know that he was taken very high in the draft. I'm trying to remember where he was drafted. I don't think it was very high at all. 
Yeah, no, he'll probably he'll be one of those where it's like they'll probably drag him to preseason, and then he'll probably just he's just here for to be on the the seventy seventy five, and then we'll go from there. Uh, I don't. I think that we'll we'll probably have a guy stash like as a running back again to keep competition and then just to be ready just in case if anything if worse comes to worse and we have to play him like I wouldn't be opposed mm-hmm. in this year's draft if there was a guy that fell you know like like a Chubba Hubbard if he would have fallen to like the fourth or fifth round I wouldn't be opposed to taking him if he wants yeah. to add some some competition back there just because he'd have you know he'd be something something decent that you have as a backup for sure so. Well, as we've seen, this uh, this regime and, and Andrew Berry, they're not afraid to take a guy based on talent. <laughs> Whether there is a top need for that guy at that position or not, which to me is how, how you build a team. Okay, you, you can't just draft. You can't go into a draft and say, oh, you know, we need a position. Who's the best guy at this position? That's who we'll take this time. You know, sometimes you have to do that. Like the Browns kind of needed to do that at, at left tackle last season. It it worked out that it was probably also the best pick where they were. <laughs> but, you know, it, if you need a, a linebacker and the best linebacker is probably a third round linebacker, but there's a great, you know, probably not a hat, probably not a running back, but, you know, but there's a great guy at another position sitting there that can still really help your team. Man, take take the guy who's going to upgrade your team and, and pick up the linebacker in another round. You can't always just draft for position. It's not, you know, it's not uh, it's not the smartest way to do. Which which GMs know, so I'm not teaching anybody anything here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, BPA, you know, best player available. That you know, that's the the mindset that you have to go in every time. You know, yeah, he might yeah. help us, but he's. If he's, you know, rated lower, you know, we have to go BPA. We have to make sure that this team gets better no matter what. And so I, hopefully, you know, because, you know, Andrew Berry, you know, we're going to really get to see how he attacks this draft. What we you know, how does he value what, you know, we're going to really see that this year. And, you know, it's going to be a, probably a big impending statement for how we move forward, you know, because, we are in a in the driver's seat now to be become a top top team. We just need to get these pieces on defense in here, and so this is going to be a big tell right here. Yeah, I, I'm with you definitely. Well, Alex, this uh, this has been fun. We've we've made it through the quarterbacks and the running backs. Uh, hopefully, we hit on some points. Uh, told people a few things, maybe maybe to think about. Um, going you know in the off season so um i'm gonna give you a uh, little bit of time here to uh, give us some closing thoughts if you got anything you want to leave everybody with i mean just you know the you know we're, we're you know we're in a situation where we can finally be confident about our team you know but don't be blinded by the fact that you know that don't don't let your personal feelings coincide with the business side. You know, if a guy leaves, you know, understand it's probably for the best for our team, you know, and just, you know, don't overreact to everything real quick. Like, let it play out first before you make your, before you look at it like, okay, you know, 
you know, that was a bad decision or that's a good decision. You know, just you know, let it play out, understand, you know, why it's happening and, you know, just, you know, look forward to the season. You know, we actually have something to look forward to. I think that, you know, this is a long time overdue and uh, we should be looking good. Excellent. Yeah, you make a great point there. All right. It's been great talking to you. Uh, this has been the Browns Blitz. We will catch you next time.